it took a while to really understand what was missing and what I was doing that was preventing joy from entering my life. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast with your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. You'll hear authentic, entertaining stories with tips, lessons, and wisdom from champions to inspire, motivate, and educate you. You'll get the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo Podcast, where I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. And Maria, we have an amazing show for our listeners today. We will be talking with Jeff Cummings, an author, a broadcast personality, and an elite swimmer. Jeff is a decorated swimmer from his college days at the University of Texas in Austin, where he was an Olympic trials qualifier, and currently he is a world record-setting master swimmer. He is also a media personality for USA Swimming and has hosted The Morning Show and Deck Pass many, many times, among others. And Jeff has covered the sport of swimming as a journalist for multiple decades. Maria, we have a celebrity with us today. I'm really excited. What are your thoughts? Well, I am excited, too. Uh, Even though I'm not a swimmer, I was impressed when I researched Jeff and the fact that in 2010, Jeff published a book, Odd Man Out, an autobiography, True Stories of a Gay Black Swimmer. What a pioneer and the courage that he has demonstrated in and out of the pool. I'm really looking forward to talking with Jeff about this champion's journey that he's on. Me too, Maria. And without further delay, let's welcome Jeff to the show. Jeff Cummings, great to have you here. Welcome to Champions Mojo. Yes, Jeff, welcome. Thank you, Kelly and Maria. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so glad to be a part of this podcast. Wonderful. So, Jeff, um, we've known each other as fellow master swimmers for many years, and my husband and I are big fans of yours. Uh, We go to the meets, and you're just just kicking butt, as I say. And uh, you and I talked, I guess we talked at the Pro Swim Series about what a what a great thing it would be for to have you on the podcast. So I'm so excited. And the topic that um, you were drawn to, and I love it, is this topic of putting joy in our lives. So um, can you share with us why this topic is near and dear to you? This is a very important aspect of my life for many reasons, but mostly because there is a stretch of about maybe 10 years or so where I was not having a very joyful life. I was going through life pretty much through going through the motions, not really feeling excited about a lot of things. And once I started to realize that, it took a while to really understand what was missing and what I was doing that was preventing joy from entering my life. And a lot of it simply was just that I wasn't really loving myself a lot. And I wasn't really trying to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to make this the best day possible. I'm going to take what I have and make it the best that I can do with my life. A lot of it was a period of time when I was doing things that I didn't want to do, whether it was in my professional life or in the pool. And instead of trying to say, okay, I'm going to um, beat the odds and really rally and and be the best I can be with what I have. I just said, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I'm just going to get through it. And that's not a way to live through life. And once I kind of got over that, I really started to see how I could be a better person. And this is not just in the pool. This is your daily life with your family and with hobbies that you have. And once I got out of that, actually, a lot of the results that uh, I'm most proud of in my swimming career happened. And a lot of the career choices that I began to make started to come my way because I really started to improve on the way that I worked and the way that I tried to be a better uh, journalist, a better person, and really tried to learn more about life itself 
And as a result, I get up every morning and maybe I'm not waking up with a toothy grin on my face, but at least I, I, <laughs> I am happy about what the day is going to bring. That's great. Uh, how, you know, I, I, I love that answer, Jeff. And, and I think a lot of us who are high achievers um, can feel a sense of responsibility to do what we've got to do. <laughs> and uh, in listening to some of your interviews, I know that you felt very responsible to be a good swimmer when you got a scholarship and so forth. How can we identify our listeners and, you know, me, how can I identify the things in my life that, you know, I should do and I, you know, they're, they're going to be tough because, you know, you just got to do them and the things that I probably shouldn't do because they're, they're taking the joy from my life. Did you have like a way that you said, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this a different way. Can you give us some tips on that? It wasn't necessarily what I wasn't doing. It was just how I was approaching, approaching what I was doing. I was doing a lot of things I like. I love swimming. So I was swimming every day, five, six days a week. I had a job that was paying well and it was keeping me in journalism. So I was happy about that. But I didn't like uh, the, the the field that I was covering in journalism. I was uh, at the time that this really kind of started. I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was sent down there from Denver by the editor in chief of the Rocky Mountain News. And he wanted me to go down there to get my journalism career started. And he said it was only going to be for a year. And then I could come back up to Denver and really get started as a quote unquote, serious journalist. And I said, sure, I'll go anywhere for a year. And as long as I get to come back to the Rocky Mountain News, which I loved as a newspaper, rest in peace, Rocky Mountain News. And I was down in Albuquerque for four years. And a lot of the the feelings that I felt while I was down there was that people were letting me down because pretty much everybody knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a film critic. I wanted to be not necessarily the next Roger Ebert, but I wanted to share my love of film with the world. And the way to do that was to be a film critic. And that was something I wanted to do ever since college. And so I went into every journalism job. And of course they say, you know, where do you see yourself in five years or stuff? And I said, I wanted to be a film critic. And I guess maybe I was pigeonholing myself. And at the time, film criticism was not as popular as it used to be. And I think they were all believing, oh, sure, you know, that's that's a very uh, big aspiration to have. And they all kind of placated me and said, sure, we can help you reach that goal. But I don't think they ever did. And I could sense that, you know, they were feeding me false hope. And I really kind of got into a funk thinking I'm never going to get out of covering school board meetings and city council meetings and doing articles about topics that don't really interest me extremely. And this was a case of me trying to make the most out of it. I really tried. Uh, and I really thought I was doing very well. And I, I liked what I was writing. My editors liked what I was writing, but I wasn't really feeling like I loved experience. I loved going out and interviewing these people and learning more about these people because it wasn't really what my heart wanted to do. And everybody has that in their lives. Everybody has a job that is more of a job and not your career that you want. And in some ways, it's going to be, could be a path to something greater. I mean, my time in Albuquerque, I would not have even foreseen me doing the things that I'm doing now. And if I had, I would have said, okay, I could get through this knowing what's going to happen in about 15 years. So my advice to people is, you know, if you, if you are doing something in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing, well, you need to start cutting that out. But there are things we have to do. We have to have jobs. We have to have fam. We have to spend time with our families. We have to exercise. We have to, I mean, we really do have to exercise, even though people will argue with me that you don't, but you have to have that outlet. And if you don't have that outlet that allows you to physically or mentally express yourselves outside of your job or your family, something that is really just for you, then you're not going to be able to find joy because you're going to feel like you're doing stuff for others and not for yourself. So I, I've encountered that a lot of, of, especially people with a lot of children, 
um, or have very responsible jobs where they're working 60 hours a week, they don't find the time. And I say, and Kelly, you might know this as a master swimmer, you just have to find the time. I mean, as master swimmers, we have to find the time to get in the pool. And mm-hmm. I tell that to everybody else is you can find the time. You don't have every hour um, constricted. Not everything, every moment in your life is planned out. And you may have a, a an hour in the day where you're like, I'll just go home, sit on the couch and watch Netflix, where you can probably just go to the gym and get on the treadmill and get your blood pumping and your your endorphins will kind of course through your body and you'll feel energetic. And then you may go home and say, well, I'm going to start tackling um, this renovation project because now I have the energy and the motivation and you all of a sudden you've remodeled your bathroom, which you've been wanting to do for 10 years and you feel good about it. And maybe that's something that becomes a career choice. You know, you may leave your boring desk job and decide to flip houses for a living. So uh, you never know what's going to happen when you start to kind of flip that switch and um, think about what makes you happy and make sure that is always a part of your life. Yeah. And Jeff, that is Maria and I talk about this all the time. We uh, do. That putting exercise in your life actually adds an hour or two to your day. So where you gave a great example. So you sit on the couch and do an hour of Netflix versus and then, and then you're just exhausted and you drag through dinner and you just you know, go to bed or don't get anything done. But if you go out and do an hour of exercise, then you come back and get an extra hour of work done. So I love that idea that, you know, it, that you just expanded on how it does maybe advance your goals and make you have more energy. So for me as a master swimmer, I just schedule it like just like anything. I make it into my schedule, just like a dentist appointment or something that I'm not going to miss. My friends know it. My husband knows it. If he isn't swimming with me, then I'll just say, you know, this is my swim time that I'm doing. What do you do to, um, you know, to make sure that you're putting those things in your life that are bringing you joy? How do you schedule it or what do you do? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say that uh, swimming, swim practice brings me joy all the time. (laughs) I was, uh, I was never one of those swimmers who went to the pool every day for swim practice and said, all right, coach, let's see what you can give me today. See how much you can hurt me today. (laughs) I I was, I'm a sprinter and 98% of sprinters are not great workout swimmers. I mean, we don't really like going. We just want to, we just want to go to the swim meet and, and race. Yeah. And that was me. And that still is me. And, and for a long time, it was a case of, yeah, I know what I have to do. I, I want, what I want to do in swimming is get this certain time or qualify for this meet or break this record. And I know full well that I have to go to swim practice in order to make that happen. But it didn't, it wasn't like, okay, this is going to be an exciting six months while I work hard for this one minute of swimming. But uh, you you just have to make sure that you still find the joy in it. It is a case of going to the pool and saying, well, today's breaststroke day. Today, I'm going to work on making sure I get the most power out of my kick today. And pretty soon, the the, the swim practice time goes by. And what I usually do, and, and I really am very thankful to uh, have this opportunity in my life, but, um, I am the co-owner of a swim school. So I teach swim lessons full time. That's my main job. And because, because my schedule varies from day to day, some days I may start at 8am. Some days I may not start till 11am. Some days I may not have a lesson till 2pm. I'm able to get in the water and do my workout whenever I want. And so it's not very difficult for me to schedule that time in. I would say the only time that it's really difficult are Saturday mornings because I'm usually starting lessons at 8 a.m., which means I have to get in the water and swim at 6 a.m., which is not the, my favorite time in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, but I do it, and I, I, I plan it out. I'm even playing it out as far as Thursday saying, okay, I've got an 8 a.m. lesson. That means I have to get up at 5.30, get to the pool, dive in at 6, be done no later than 7.15 so I can get to the pool and the the other pool, what I'm doing lessons and be ready to teach. And like I said, I don't necessarily enjoy it, but when I'm done, I'm happy I did it. I know that I'm getting closer to a goal that I've set. I always think that way. And that makes me happy. If I don't swim, I know I'm I'm not going to be at my best. Um, 
outside of the two days a week that I take off, if I, if I am unable to swim for a particular day where you normally swim the next day, I kind of feel kind of not good. I just don't feel mentally good more than physically good because I didn't get that swim. And so I always try to put that in. Uh, but the one thing I really try to do at least once a week is go to the movie theater. Oh, I love it. Just, it just It's because I'm around a pool all the time. My, my career is built around swimming. My exercise is swimming. My journalism work is swimming. And so it's not that I don't enjoy that, but I have to get away from that. And that helps clear my head. And I escape for a little bit. I go in the movie theater. I escape for a couple hours. I feel good about that. And I also do a podcast uh, that has nothing to do with swimming. And that helps me escape for a while, too. And I really find joy in, in doing those two things so that when I come back to my career or when I come back to my exercise, um, I'm a little rejuvenated. And it helps me kind of create a little focus. And I... I I, and like I said, if I don't get to go to the movie theater in a particular week, I kind of feel like something's lacking. So it's, it's the same thing as if I don't swim, I, I really have to go to the movies. That is awesome. Um, are, you, are you critiquing movies now? Yeah. No, I am not really critiquing movies now. I really wish I could. I still think it's still a passion of mine. And, uh, but in, the, uh, in the, the scheme of things, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Uh, it's just the way that life turned out. I just think that's not going to be my life. What is the podcast? What is this movie podcast that you're doing? I thought that was critiquing movies. Uh, it's a podcast that is chronicling the career of the film composer John Williams. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I'm that's starting right. with, I started with his first film composing job in 1959, and I'm going chronologically through all his films. And it's 108 films, 108 episodes, and it's about a two. It's a two-year journey, and so I'm uh, I'm on episode as we record this on episode 26 out of 108. So it's I'm still very very young, but uh, I'm having a blast with it. And uh, like I said, it's it's a uh, uh, it was one of those lark things that I just said, hey, why don't I do this? Sure, I've got the time to do it. And I do have the time to do it some days. Some weeks, it's a little bit of a, of a rush to get it done. But I, I still enjoy it no matter what, because John Williams is my favorite film composer. And to be able to take this deep dive into his, his career has just been mind boggling. That is what so cool. That's so yeah. incredible. What a beautiful project. I love it. Yeah, we'll put that. Um, we'll put your podcast in the show notes for people so that they can check that out if they want to. That is really the Baton, cool. a John Williams musical journey. Okay, cool. Um, so, Jeff, take me back to Albuquerque, where you're not living the life that you want, and what did you do to change that? Like, what what was the impetus? How did it start to change? Well, if you will, I want to actually go further back than that. I okay. moved to Albuquerque in 2001, but I want to move back about seven years to when I was in college at the University of Texas. Okay. And it was about my junior year. It was my junior year. And I had just come off an amazing summer where I had uh, gotten the best time in my 100 breaststroke at Nationals, placed fourth, uh, just missed getting top three by about three one hundredths of a second. Um Nice. One of my many races that still plays in my mind of what I could have done differently. But <laughs> I was still very happy with the result. I got a best time. And as swimmers know, you get a best time. That kind of overshadows a lot of things. Yes. And the next year, I had a conversation with my coach, Eddie Reese, and we talked about the season and what we could do. And, and one of the things he wanted me to do was to make a change to my stroke because he had all, there was a part of my stroke and my breaststroke where I was not – he thought I wasn't lifting my head enough to breathe. And he had, that had always been a sticking point for him. And he said, you know, I think we need to change that. And, and um, I said, okay, we'll see how it works. And we worked on it for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the season. And it didn't feel right. It didn't feel comfortable. I couldn't sprint very well. I was actually very good in my 200s that season. But my 100 breasts, my sprint breaststroke just was not feeling very good. I couldn't get that stroke turnover that I really knew that I, that I needed to do. 
And I kind of told Eddie it didn't work. And he said, just keep plugging away at it. Your, your body will adjust. And, and, and I tell that to people I teach in swimming right now all the time. I said, just keep working on it. It'll, it'll adjust itself. You'll start to adapt and, and feel better with it. But I never did. And I would say if I, I don't, I don't really go around telling people that you need to, you, it's okay to have regrets. I don't like having regrets in my life, but the one regret that I do have in my life is that I did not tell Eddie enough that I really don't like the stroke. And I think we would have worked on something that would have made me feel better as a sprinter because I plateaued my last two years of college and mentally, I was really dejected because my 100 breast was not improving while everybody around me that I was competing against, they were improving. So I was stagnating and they were all moving forward. And I, I didn't like that. And, and I started to not find the joy in swimming anymore. I used to love getting up and racing, but I just kind of dreaded doing a 100 breaststroke with this stroke. And it really just took a lot of the satisfaction I got out of swimming with my college team, um, swimming for a major division one team and going to NCAAs, I really didn't find the joy in it. Miraculously, I was able to make the final of the hunter breaststroke uh, my junior and senior year. I don't know how, but, um, you know, I just, I don't even remember those races. I can remember my, my sophomore year. I can remember my freshman year. I can remember a lot of races before 1994 very well. But between 1994 and 1998, when I retired from swimming, I don't remember those races very well. And I think I just went through those four years just in this big funk because swimming wasn't improving for me. Mm. And I, I really did believe it was that stroke change. And me being, I mean, I look back on it now and I, I call myself a coward for not speaking up to Eddie because I'm like, Eddie's the best coach in the world. Right. What, is, what do I know that he doesn't know? And, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, talk, talk back to him in a, in a sense and say, Eddie, what you're saying is wrong. I know that, you know, the way I was swimming before, obviously it was working. Why do we need to change it? I didn't say anything. I just kind of just put my head down and just kept swimming and just kept believing that it was going to change. And so I ended my, my elite swimming career, not on a happy note because, even though you were even though you were top eight at NCAA's in both your junior and senior year in the hundred breast. Absolutely. Even though I was able yeah. to make it to double A's because I making the final NCAA's wasn't a goal. I knew I could do it. And I know there are thousands of swimmers out there who would love for a chance to swim in the NCAA final. And I look back on it now and I say, what a joy it was to be able to make the NCAA final. But in the moment, I knew right, I could do better. Right. You know, I got seventh my junior year and I got fifth my senior year against guys who I knew I could beat. I knew I could beat them. Right. But it just wasn't happening. And I, it literally, I tell you, Kelly and Maria, I don't remember those swims. I think I just, you know, the, the beep went off and I just dove in and just swam and don't remember it all. And I don't remember my, my swims at really at the 92 Olympic trials or the 96 Olympic trials. I think I just kind of just got through them. And that's not the way to go through life, especially at the Olympic trials, where at the time it was a more elite competition than it is now. You know, only about 50 people, 45 to 50 people per event qualified for the Olympic trials back in the 90s. So it was a, a very exclusive meet. And I knew that I was very aware of how exclusive that meet was, but I just kind of was like, you know, this isn't, you know, I was just like, well, that's that. And it was like, it was the Olympic trials, but I wasn't like, this is the Olympic trials. I was like, so Olympic trials let's just get through it because so I think you, in my heart, I couldn't, yeah. I wasn't going to make the Olympic team, even though I really knew I should have. So you weren't present. I mean, you, like when you're not feeling the, you're not even remembering those races, were you just, where was your mind? I could not tell you where my mind was. It was not in the present. It was not in the moment. I think I just kind of just shut my brain off and said, let's just, I've done thousands of breast, hundred breaststrokes. Let's just do it. Get it over with in a sense. I don't know if I ever said, let's just get over it, get, get through it, but it's, I think that's just the way it happened. And when I retired from swimming, I was like, good, thank God I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> wow. 
Is is there a commonality between not speaking up to your coach and not speaking up to your editor in terms of your unhappiness with what you were doing? Yes, exactly. Because they're my bosses and they're my bosses for a reason, because they're very knowledgeable. They're very good at their jobs and they know more than I do. And so why question them? And yeah, if you've, that's a very interesting point that you bring up. And I, I was I, I was afraid of confrontation a lot. And this even goes back to the reason why I didn't come out as gay to my teammates in college. I didn't like confrontation. You know, I, I, in my heart, in my really deep down in my soul, I knew my teammates would accept me for being gay. But I knew there, there's going to be one person who would be like, you know, I don't like this. And I don't want this guy getting dressed in the locker room where I'm getting dressed or taking a shower in the same place where I'm taking a shower or whatever. Or what if I'm his roommate on a travel trip? And I was afraid of that. And I just said, you know, the status quo is fine. Everybody likes me. I don't want to upset the apple cart. I'll just kind of stay quiet. And that was another reason why I kind of just got through college. It was like, just get through college. And maybe when you're done with college, you can you can be open about your sexuality and live your true life the, the way you want. And once I was done with college, I kind of did just live my true life. You know, like I was once I was done with Olympic trials, I retired the first time and actually kind of lived my life. And I was um, actually kind of started dating somebody uh, because I didn't have my swim team friends to just, you know, I didn't have to lie to them and say, who are you going out with? Uh, nobody. And you know, I was able to live my life. And then I moved to Colorado Springs and had to kind of push that down a little again, because I was training with the resident team. And this, uh, this is where being a closeted gay man was really hampering my swimming because I was in a group of people. We were only three of us plus my coach. So it was a very small team. It was me and BJ Bedford and Amy Van Dyken. And I was very close to them and still am very close to them now. And they're very wonderful people. And I knew that if I just said, Hey guys, I, you know, I'm dating this guy and we're going out on a date. Sorry, I can't go out uh, to the movies with you guys, but I'm going out with this guy. They would have been totally fine with it. My coach would have been totally fine with it. But I was always afraid of that. What if they don't like it? And this was a bigger deal because, you know, it's not 30 guys on my swim team and the odds are maybe just one person won't like it. If one person didn't like it on, when I was on the resident team, that's one out of four. That's 25% of my team didn't like it. And I just didn't want, really did not want to upset that apple cart. And so I just said, you know, just stay quiet. When you get through your swimming career, you're going to be having, you'll be able to be a real adult and you'll get through it. And I got through it. I did not swim well during my time on the resident team. And it was really specifically because of being a closet man. It just, it just weighed so heavy on me. And this weight just really affected my swimming. But when I retired in 98 and moved to Denver, I really felt free. I really did. And I started to kind of find some joy in my life. But uh, And that was socially and that was great. But um, in my career, it just wasn't happening. And then I moved to Albuquerque where I was there for a year where I didn't really enjoy living in Albuquerque, knowing that I really loved Denver and I missed Denver. And so the, the promise of only being there a year turned into four, and I just didn't think I was getting out of there. And so Jeff, 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 I, I'm, I just have to tell you, I'm riveted by your story and I'm even a bigger fan than I was before. So was this time in your life your biggest obstacle that you you've gone through up to this point in your life? Absolutely. Because I, I knew I was in this funk and I didn't know how to get out of it. Okay. So this is, you know, I'm, I'm sure we have some LGBT community listening and I hope that they're listening well, but for all listeners, um, this just applies for me. I'm I'm so moved by your story. I'm I I feel like that everyone has something in their closet, you know, whether it's um whether they're gay or whether they're you know have a low self esteem or whether they uh, have depression or anxiety or uh, you know just just things that weigh us down. Now, certainly, your story is. I think it's a, a lot harder to come out with being gay than 
than saying I have anxiety or I have depression or, you know, those those things that um, hold us back. But so was it what was it? Was it becoming authentic? What you couldn't talk to Eddie about your stroke. You you couldn't tell your teammates that, you know, you were gay. You you didn't want to talk to your editor. What what kind of finally was the linchpin to say, I'm going to be authentic and live my life? I think the the moment that started to happen, it didn't happen immediately, but the moment that started to happen was um, when I got into a relationship with the man who's now my husband. He was really the impetus for kind of opening my eyes to being joyful, truly joyful. I mean, yeah, I go to the movies and I could feel really good. And I was doing that in Albuquerque. I was actually, you know, had some really good friends, but when I when I met him and we started dating, uh, we were dating long distance. I lived in Albuquerque and he lived in San Francisco. But you know he he was doing something that he enjoyed. He's an Episcopal priest, and at the time he was he was able to serve as a priest in a community he absolutely loved. And seeing him live his life kind of on his terms because he also had to be closeted through a lot of uh, the ordination process. But, you know, he told himself he was not going to be closeted when he became a priest. And he was able to just be completely open about his life. And, of course, in San Francisco, it's much easier to do. But I really wanted to, to have that life, too. I wanted to be able to wake up and say, yes, this is what I want to do. I love what I'm doing. And I started to say, well, what can I do? to do that. And I, and a lot of it was just saying, okay, what makes you happy? And he made me happy, still makes me happy. Swimming made me happy. I was actually starting to seriously become a master swimmer when in my time in Albuquerque, I was really loving the, the experience of being a master swimmer. And so that was kind of getting me out of this funk because I was starting to find this new joy in swimming one, because I was able to dictate my own terms in master swimming. And one of those was re coordinating my breaststroke <laughs> finally, mm-hmm. after all these years. And it took a long time. It took about a year for me to get my, my muscles and my brain around the fact that I was making this wholesale change back to the way I used to swim. But, uh, I started to, obviously I wasn't going to ever swim as fast as I used to in college, but I was able to swim in meets that I, and I felt good about the result. I felt good about the process and I started to really enjoy swimming. And when, uh, my husband and I, who's also, his name is Jeff, we, uh, moved to Tucson and we started our swim school while, uh, I was also working with newspaper and I started to get joy in that. It was like, I'm, I'm, yes, I was giving back to the sport. It was also a, a, uh, a way to pay some bills, but I was really finding a lot of happiness of getting children and adults to learn to swim. Mm-hmm. And even though at the time it was a part-time job while I was uh, working at the newspaper and then later working at Swimming World, light started to look, the, the world started to look brighter to me because I was starting to find things that even though I stumbled onto them, the swim school we kind of stumbled into it was bringing me some happiness and something I've really looked forward to doing on a regular basis. Does your, does your husband um, coach with you at the swim school? Does he teach swimming? Yes. He also teaches. He's also a swimmer. So he, 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 we, we work together side by side. And I know there are people out there who work with their significant others. And sometimes it's not great. um, (laughs) Both of us do. Maria and I both do. (laughs) But we, we've actually, Never had major arguments about running the business. Um, we both have different kind of ideas about approaches to learning how to swim and teaching swimming, but we always kind of come to this middle ground about a lot of things, and and that's what's great about it. And I don't mind, you know, spending ten hours, well, eight to nine hours a day on a deck with him. I really do not mind. And then we come home, and we it, the swim school was is out there. And our lives as a married couple is inside our house, or if we go on date night, it's with date night. So we don't 
we really try not to talk about the swim school. So um, we always manage to separate our lives. And I think that really makes it better. And he's a big part of the reason why I found joy because he's kind of guided me through that. And once I started working with Swimming World and um, launching into that part of my journalism career was hugely successful for me because I really started to love my life as a journalist. I was covering a topic that I really loved and understood and things just really started to turn around. So this was about 2000, this was 2008, January, 2008, when I started working for Swimming World. So the professional part of my career was the last piece of the puzzle to kind of put everything together and say, I really like my life. And even though maybe some aspects of my time at Swimming World weren't what I necessarily wanted to do, I still liked getting up in the morning and looking forward to the day. And it was because I was doing at least a small part of my, a small part of my professional career had what I liked doing. And it doesn't happen all the time. I know there are a lot of people out there who try to do the same thing and it's very difficult, but, um, Surely there's something in their lives and their when they go to work that makes them happy. And, and if you accent that, I think it makes that day-to-day grind a little bit better. Jeff, let me ask you about the courage that it takes for a person who doesn't like confrontation or is a people pleaser like I am and sounds like you are too. I mean, I love to make everybody happy. So, so one of the things that, you know, that I keep hearing you say is that you – when you met your husband, you, you, you grew apparently the courage to say, no, this isn't good for me, you know? And, and, and so can you talk a little bit about, you know, that feeling that you get when, you know, you know, somebody wants you to say yes to something, or, you know, somebody wants you to do something a certain way and, and you know, that's not good for you. How do you have the courage to go against what they want from you? Well, Maria, I still have a a lot of trouble saying no to a lot of people and a lot of things, but uh, it it takes, you just have to kind of steal yourself. And I'm a very emotional person. And I, as an introvert, we're, we're very emotional people. And, you know, we just, like I said, I don't like upsetting the apple cart, but I've had to say no on a lot of big occasions in the past few years um, and, and stick to my guns, even though it, you know, I was very scared of what the result of, me saying no to those things were, um, but I did them. And actually on the other side, I felt very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those was the courage it took for me to leave my job at Swimming World, which was comfortable. I knew I had job security, but um, I, was, it was, I was reaching a point where I felt a little stagnated and um, I, I knew a lot of the, the advancement that, was, that I could do in Swimming World I didn't necessarily want, I didn't want to be in a management position at Swimming World. I, do, I liked where I was and um, the changes that were being brought to me, I didn't like. And so I just, I, I dug my heels in and said, this is what I want. I didn't get it. Um, and so I made the decision to just not continue working for Swimming World. But, oh my goodness, w- what a fearful decision that was. But almost immediately, immediately my life turned around because I just sent, I sent an email to Rowdy Gaines and said, "Hey, Rowdy, I know you. We've been talking about uh, me doing some broadcast work. You, you thought I was, you know, something I could do, but I couldn't do it with Swimming World." Uh, and I said, "I'm no longer working for Swimming World, so if you know of any opportunities, please let me know." And within a week, things started to come to me. And this was 2015, November, December, 2015. Things just really started to come my way. And to be honest, if I had, if I had not said no, and if I had, if I had just said, yes, I'll do whatever you want to my bosses at Swimming World, I would still be working for them. I'm sure I would pretty much be happy. I mean, I I do love covering swimming, but all these other opportunities, working with Deck Pass Live, doing freelance writing with USA Swimming and US Masters, I wouldn't have those opportunities right now. And I would be on the outside looking in at all this stuff and wishing I were a part of it. So who knows what these decisions will result in in your later life. If, if you just say no, I know it's going to be fearful of what's on the other side. I was fearful. I, I, 
I knew that if I, when I left my job at Swimming World, it meant I'd be unemployed. I'd have to get unemployment checks. And I did for a few months. But, wow. um, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you have to pay a mortgage, when you have to pay, a, 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 when you have to pay bills, you, you become fearful of like, if I say no, and then I'm, un, I'm unemployed for six months, what does that mean for my life? But again, my husband said, absolutely, go for it. You will, you're not happy in your job. And, and when he, when he said that, obviously he sees me every day and I agreed with him and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And, um, and when he came home at the day that I uh, decided to leave swimming world, he, he said he was very happy of me. He was very proud of me and that made my decision even better, but it still scared me because I had, I had to contribute <laughs> to my family and, um, and then once all these things start to come up with working with, um, doing freelance work for USA swimming, the writing, I really enjoyed that. And then all these little by little, these broadcasting, um, offers start to come in just because I sent an email to Rowdy who had a lot of influence. And he said, you know, this guy, if, you know, if you're looking for somebody, he's the guy. And it led to, to what I'm doing now. And then I started to work full time with the swim school, which, you know, I, I didn't think I had the stamina to be a full-time swim teacher, but it is, it is the best actually career choice I've made. And I, I really do look forward to what lies ahead of me with every swim lesson every day. That's great. That's such a great story because, you know, when you make the right decision, often things do turn around for you. Thanks for sharing that. Well, yeah, we just have to ask you, you know, this is one of the things that we try to ask everybody is, you know, what you, know, you swam for so long and you're still a swimmer. What what techniques from swimming and your athleticism and swimming and your training and swimming have carried over you and given you the success that you've had in your personal and professional life? I think there are two things that I've that have kind of worked well with me in swimming that have carried over. One thing is um, time management. If you are everybody who out there who is a swimmer of some kind, know that you have to have time management because there are certain things in your life that have to happen at a certain time. If you're an age group swimmer, pretty much you have swim practice at a certain time. You have school at a certain time. And those are probably the two most important things in your life. And you know that you have to, you have to go to school and you have to go to swim practice. And then you also have to fit in homework. You also have to fit in family time. You also have to fit in friend time. And so you, you make those decisions, you plan those things out. And when I became a, a quote unquote adult, when I retired from swimming in 98, that carried over. I planned out my life. You know, I knew I had, I had work. And then I knew that, okay, when I'm done with work, I have this time to do this or this time to do that. And then when I became a master swimmer and that started to become a part of my life, I said, okay, I'm going to make sure master swim fits into my life, no matter what gets pulled out. And that's true today. You know, I, some days I, I'll, I'll tell you for, as an example, um, this past Monday, I, or Tuesday, actually, uh, one of my students wanted to move their lesson up a couple of hours, which was when I was actually going to swim. So that meant I had to move my swim time back a couple hours. And I said, absolutely, I could do it. And it just kind of made a domino effect on the rest of my day. But you just make these, you make these quick changes. And I was, it was so easy to do because time management is something that I, I actually kind of like doing because it puts order in my day, even though I do like sometimes just like, okay, I've got this hour free. What can I do? But I like having a planned out day because I know it, it makes, it makes the day go by faster because you're not like, oh my gosh, what's happening at three o'clock. I don't know what's happening at three o'clock. What's going to happen. Oh my gosh. And having a day full of swim lessons that are locked in also helps. Um, and so the other thing is setting a goal. And obviously, as swimmers, as athletes, we have goals, whether it's a fitness goal of just wanting to be able to complete a mile swim, or if it's a, a competition goal of breaking a record, breaking your personal best, or just beating this guy you've never beaten. It really does equate to my life. And I do have a lot of goals in swimming. I want, obviously, my goal as a swim teacher is to not have anybody in this city of Tucson and in the United States or in the world ever drown. And 
it's a goal that will, I, I know in my own life and my own bubble, I will never fully achieve because I can't, for, for whatever reason, I can't teach everybody how to swim. Even though I try everybody I encounter, <laughs> I say, get a swim lesson. Just, just <laughs> learn how to put your face in the water. That's all I, I ask. Blow bubbles, blow bubbles. That's a, those are, that's a big goal. It's a big yeah. goal, but yeah. you know, that's, that's what gets me up it's, in the morning. Yeah, that's a great that's goal. That's a beautiful goal. You know, this 30-year-old who wants to go to Hawaii and learn how to snorkel, she, she's afraid of the water, but, you know, her friends are going and she wants to go snorkel. And I, I'm actually working with her and she's got um, a couple more weeks to go and she's, she's getting there. And so that's one more person who I'm getting into the water and that makes me happy. That's, that's great. And then with the broadcasting, yeah, I have some goals. Uh, you know, whether they all happen or not is immaterial because I'm enjoying the process. And that goes back to, I guess, kind of wrapping everything up in a tiny bow is enjoy the process. Mm. As you remember, I was kind of just going through my life for 10 years as a robot. I don't remember a lot of things that happened. And I, I really wish I could remember it because when I was at NCAAs this past March um, and, and was hanging out with some of my former teammates, they were all talking about stuff. And it was like, I don't remember that. And they were talking about it like it was yesterday. And I was like, I was there, but why don't I remember that? And it just kind of, yeah, just really reinforced how I just went through life and just just did what I was told to do, which was go to class, show up to swim practice, show up at a meet, do this race, uh, score points for Texas. And I did that as well as I could do. And I was very grateful that even in this funk, I was able to contribute but I don't remember a lot of it. And I, I really regret that because college obviously is your formative years. And uh, I really wish I could go back and, and remember a lot of those times, but I enjoy the process. Now I remember a lot of things about um, some things I've been doing these past 10 years, um, the process of doing them more than the result in many ways. And that makes me happy because I could, I could think back and like, God, I remember that time when, that's what practice when I was trying to work on my, my 200 IM and gosh, getting my arms over the water and butterfly was hard, but gosh, it, it paid off because four months later, I was able to sort of close to my master's best time in the 200 IM. So I just remember a lot of those little things and it makes life so much more enjoyable because you wake up every morning and you don't, you can look back on the day and remember almost minute by minute what happened. And I, I can't express enough how grateful I am to be able to have that and have my mind just open to accepting what comes my way, but also taking control of it. Uh, and at the same time, enjoying what happens from what I do every day. I think that is just beautiful, Jeff. And um, the process, like that sounds like just enjoying the process, which is, gosh, something I think all of us, I know I need to work on that and all of us can Definitely. And, and that does tie it in a bow for us. And we are out of time. I w we could would love to talk to you, but you know, we have to keep podcasts to a certain time frame or people won't listen. So, um, yes, I definitely know that. Yeah, That's the golden rule. It's the golden rule. So um, it has just been awesome to hear your story and to get to know you a little bit better. I'm inspired and motivated and educated. I am too. I love I love your courage and it's inspirational to me to you know to know that that you know you just have to take sometimes take your life in your hand you know in your hands and and do the hard thing. Thank you very much for your stories. Well, it's my pleasure. Yes, it's your it's your life. Yes, it's your coach is your guide. Your 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 boss is your guide, but it's it, essentially it's your life and you're the one who controls it and um, you're the one that can um, reach that destiny that you want to fulfill. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jeff. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thanks so much, Jeff. It was my pleasure, Kelly Maria. Thank you so much. So Maria, what are your takeaways? Well, that was a great interview. Um, I think what yes. spoke to me the most, uh, and you know, you could tell from my questions, was was the courage that to have joy, you really have to be authentic. And to be authentic, lots of times you have to disappoint people or ha or leave something that's not working for you. Um, and I think that was that was something that he was learning and he had and uh, in his life and apparently still is 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 working on. And I I appreciated his um, his honesty and talking to 
us about that. So I, I, I love that. And then, you know, of course, I don't know if we can say it enough. He said it. I don't know if we can emphasize it enough that regular exercise does bring joy into your life and it gives you room for stuff that can can have joy. I liked that. And, you know, I liked your interpretation of what he said is, you know, you, you, you make time to exercise and then you and then you make then you have time for other things that 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 bring you pleasure. You know, you can't, it can't always be just doing one thing um, after the other. So I, I thought it was I, I thought it was a great interview. What were your takeaways, Kelly? Yeah, I love those two takeaways. And I also had a a couple of takeaways um, that, you know, Jeff is obviously a very successful professional. Um, He's now, you know, successful personally and professionally. And I think in both of those, you know, in asking him what techniques he used that he learned as a swimmer and athlete, I loved his time management. Um, that you've got to have time management in anything. I mean, you know, just being a a good spouse, you have to have time management, being a a good professional. So I liked that one. And then um, the other part that really spoke to me was enjoying the process, you know, where he was at those big events and had blocks of time where he doesn't even remember. I can totally relate to that. Just, um, I think, Enjoying the process is a little bit like being in the moment. You know, you're you're there and you're thinking, I'm doing this for this value or why am I doing this? I'm in this process. So just enjoying the process. So those were my two, time management and enjoying the process. But, yeah, what a great interview. What a wonderful, um, inspiring person Jeff is. And I'm just really thrilled with that. Yeah, he's, 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 uh, he's turned his life into something that he seems to really love. And I think he's an inspiration to a lot of people. Absolutely. And um, if you want more and more of his stories, then you can certainly find those in his book, uh, Odd Man Out, an an autobiography, true stories of a gay black swimmer. And we'll put that in the show notes with his podcast. So um, That is going to be a wrap, and it's been great spending time with everyone today. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe to Champions Mojo on YouTube and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Yes, please do. And if you um, are inspired or you had some thoughts, go ahead and put them in the comments. We'd love to read them. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Have a great week. This week's quote of the week comes from Emily Dickinson. Find ecstasy in life. The mere sense of living is joy enough. We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today, and we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Signing off for myself and my champion co-host, Maria Parker, we hope you'll join us again soon, and we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening, and please see below for a copy of the show notes for any links or important information that we've referenced here. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, visit championsmojo.com to learn more.